0: embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up, quarantined world, coronavirus world? Welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm Alex Terranova. I'm still here. You're still here. <laughs> we're all still going on. That's the laughter of our guest who you're gonna meet in a minute. Um, man, this is crazy. And if you've been listening and keeping up on these episodes, you're probably hearing some episodes that didn't have like any conversation around all this because they were recorded before. This episode is being recorded on the 27th of march so we're like right in the thick of it america just became like the number one country with the most amount of cases and america always manages to find themselves at number one sometimes for the best things and so often also for the worst things um so what do i want to say today to like kick off this episode i think the most important thing uh, is just taking care of ourselves and how that's gonna that'll weave itself into this episode but I'm just really present to the magnifying glass that a situation like this like puts onto our life. And really it makes our ego like explode. And we could describe that in so many different ways, but whatever your problems are, they probably feel bigger. Whatever your default ways of kind of living and showing up might be showing up more so. So for me, I'm not a, like, I'm not a happy person on default. Like I'm actually grumpy. I'm annoyed, I'm frustrated, okay. I, everything bothers me. I see how what I see the wrong in everything. So like when I look at people, when I look at scenarios, like I'm always first going to what's wrong. And this is something I don't love about myself. And it's something I'm also trying to embrace and work on and change. I don't have to make myself wrong for it, but I can also practice having it go different. So things like gratitude right now are extra important to me. I'm doing gratitude in the morning and at night. And I'm actually doing gratitude over like in really simple ways. Like I'm not being grateful for like like all the stuff that I want. I'm being grateful for the things that I have, like my limbs and my health and this beautiful place that I live in. And the fact that I have like all the food I need and the shelter I need and the safety that I need. Uh, Some other things that I've been doing to really like empower myself and where I'm going is focusing on who I'm interacting with whether that be through social media. So I have blocked and un I don't want to say unfriended or blocked or hid more people probably than I ever have before because like, I don't want the negativity. I don't want like the gossiping. I don't want the drama. I don't want the negative stuff. I don't want the like crazy conspiracy theory things. Like I'm not saying any of it's wrong or bad. I just know if I go down that hole, then I end up like upset, sad, miserable, frustrated. I get taken out. And so I'm, I'm kind of muting all that. And then I'm actively bringing more things into my sphere that are happy, that are funny, that are playful, that are optimistic. And I'm also really connecting with a lot of people, my circle. I'm like connecting with people like our guests today, who are people that like, lift me up, who I can lift up, who we can support each other, whether it be sitting still or taking action. So I also just want to throw out, I have been supporting people as a coach, as a sounding board, as a place to vent, as a place to brainstorm, as a place to get outside of your fear and look for opportunity. Because right now your fear is extra heightened and when you're afraid, you can't really see anything outside of your own perspective. And I've been doing that often for free or just to support people. So if you need some support, if you need, again, brainstorming, small business help, personal life, relationship because of what's going on and you feel like money's an obstacle right now, please reach out to me, I got you. Uh, I wanna ask you for money and um, I'm happy to support you. And, and if that's something I can do for people, I would be honored to do it. I wanna introduce our guest now because she's pretty awesome and she's been one of my colleagues. She's mentored me at times, she's been a friend. She flattered me the other day, making me feel like I was more successful than her, which I would have said the opposite. Um, my guest today is Kat Wood. She's actually been on the podcast before a long time ago, early on, we did an episode about spirituality and religion and she was staying with me at the time and we did this like one-off episode and we talked about our backgrounds and whatnot, but this episode's going to be totally different. Kat is a professional certified coach. She is the author of a book called Belonging, Overcome Your Inner Critic and Reclaim Your Joy, which is like about to come out. She has a master's in business. She was a Peace, Corp- Peace Corps volunteer. She founded a company called Unbound Potential, and she's the co-founder of Pack Retreats. And she's a good friend, badass coach, a wonderful human. She's a really cool person to know. I'm really grateful to have her like in my corner. What's up, Kat? Hey, Alex. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. I loved your introduction. I feel like there's so much in that and just what you shared today that we could talk about
0: <laughs> well what did you please share from like what you got from it
1: um you know the conversation around how you're like a grumpy person by default i feel like that's so such an important conversation because a lot of us don't give ourselves permission to like embrace our default ways of being and now in a time of like just so much uncertainty and fear it's never been more important to just allow all your feelings. And it's, it's a lot of what I talk about in my book. It's definitely been a lot of my journey because I feel like I fall on the other end of the spectrum where I always felt like I had to be happy.
0: I'm like sitting here. I'm like, Oh, I remember when I met Kat. I remember <laughs> when I, I was like, why is this? You were like one of the people that I was like, why is this person so happy? <laughs> yeah. And that's actually, that comes up for me all the uh, way less now, because now I see it as my own shit, basically. But I spent years, I mean, my whole life, basically, when people were happy, I was like, they're full of shit. They're full of shit. They're faking it. There's something wrong over there. They're over, like, they're overcompensating. And really, it was me. I just was jealous that I wasn't happy or naturally happy. So I had to make it wrong that you or they or whoever was. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, I wish my default was just happier. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's so interesting hearing you say that, right? Because I was a mirror for that, feeling like I needed to be happy for other people. Like I had to put on a good face to take care of people, to brighten their moods, to make them feel better. Like so much work, it's exhausting. I'm so glad I unlearned that.
0: What's showing up for you the most during this time? Like, where are you? Like, for me, it's magnifying that. What's what's the biggest thing that you're having to kind of focus on and work on during this really new space in, in our life and humanity?
1: You know, last week, I was feeling a lot of hopelessness and powerlessness around, like, what we can actually do with so much uncertainty, so much change. The news is constantly changing. The stock markets are constantly, like bounding up then bounding down. And there's a, there's so much constant shifting that I think as a human, it's uh, really scary. And I was certainly feeling that way last week and I was doing some meditation around it. And I feel, I realized that the reason I felt so powerless was because I wasn't doing anything about it. I was allowing the news and the uncertainty and you know to you to use your words, like I hadn't blocked anyone or limited my news consumption. so the th- the thing that made the difference was deciding who like who I wanted to be in the face of what was happening and and how I wanted to contribute. And I think that if you know if we all really asked ourselves that question, how we want to contribute, it would bring us back a lot more agency, a lot more power. Um, it was so reassuring for me. Are
0: there specific ways that you're trying to contribute now that you hadn't in the past or ways that you're like, I'm going to start doing this or want to do this?
1: Yeah. You know, community is such a big part of who I am. I love fostering community and creating a place where people can connect and, um, and find belonging to be honest. And, I canceled two events in the last couple weeks because they were in person. And, you know, all of our, all of our international retreats this year are now kind of, we're up, you know, up in the air, who knows what's going to happen. And, um, so I took a couple events that I host regularly and now I'm hosting them online, which, you know, it's, it's pretty small, but man, it made a big change for me. So hosting online events. And this morning, I had such a sweet moment, my uh, childhood group of girlfriends who they all live in Massachusetts, except me. Um, It was a group of 11 of us, you know, they, they're not entrepreneurs, they don't necessarily have all of like the same apps and business resources that we use. And so we were all trying to connect in this group chat. And, you know, a lot of them have Androids, some have iPhones. So we're doing those like weird group chats, where, you know, when you like, like something on a, on an iPhone versus an Android Android that (laughs) you like, the whole text block gets copied over. So I created a WhatsApp group for us, and I had to teach all of them what WhatsApp
0: was. (laughs) And everyone's like, everyone is learning new things, right? People like, I think Zoom had like a million people sign up in one day or something.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: People are doing virtual cocktail hours and So everyone's learning all these new things that, I don't know, maybe, uh, who knows what amazing stuff is going to come out of this.
1: Totally. I mean, I've been trying to get my boyfriend on board to do yoga with me for years. And like, it's been in the last couple months that he's really kind of totally enrolled himself in it. And it's been awesome. And I've really been trying to focus on those small things, you know, like those small moments that bring me joy. And that's definitely one of them.
0: I want to talk about for a second, because you were one of the first people that I talked to that actually got hit hardest by this initially. Um, when all this started and most people in kind of America, it was like kind of a joke. There was no one here that had coronavirus. We were like making fun of it abroad. It was like all memes and things and and not to make fun of like the deaths and things like that. But it was kind of like, oh, this isn't our Like everyone just didn't take it like it was a serious thing. And I remember we got on the phone and you shared with me that it was starting to impact all your retreats, which are things that are paid for in advance, that you spend months and months planning. And that was the first moment that I was like, that I actually was like, holy shit, this is like messing some people up. And not just some people, like people, other people also are important too, but like it was the first, you were the first point of contact where it actually kind of came home. Huh. and i'm I'm curious about that, like that financial impact and how you're being with everything that showed up there, because what you experience a lot of people are,
1: yeah, um, you know, I feel like I've had to unlearn this sense of like feeling like I have everything handled. <laughs> i think I feel like that's always been kind of this default way of being that I bring to my life where like we're good, you know like I'm all good, I got this, and the thing that's been different for me with the retreats and has made you know me be able to kind of weather the stress better is just being totally transparent we've sent out so many emails to our dozens of travelers like just letting them know where we are with our retreats like what's going on in Greece like what's happening right now in Peru like what's the prognosis in India like really just trying to be a human with all of them I feel like you know every time we every time I allow myself to embrace my humanity and my fear it allows others to embrace theirs and it's really made a, diff, a big difference with the retreats because you know when you are bringing people abroad to developing countries like you have there's a lot of responsibility in that and you know I mean I have tens of thousands of dollars in my bank account from all these people who have paid me to create these like curated customized experiences for them and at this moment I can't promise that that's going to happen for any of them this year and that um you know it's hard it's really hard to stomach a lot of these people have become very close and some of my best friends over the years because a lot of repeat travelers are traveling with us again and so it's a you know being willing to forgive myself for fearing that I might disappoint them, you know, it's, a, uh, it's hard.
0: This <laughs> from outside of the, the difficulty with like the human piece that you have a relationship with these people. How's the impact of like the money or people? Like, I need my money back because I lost my job. Or are you like I can't give the money back because of like what's what's the actual like? How's that situation go?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great question. So that hasn't been our experience. No one has asked for a refund. No one's let us know that some people have. Some of them have lost their jobs um, and. So far, all of the people who've reached out to us whose jobs are in jeopardy are like, "I can't wait for this to happen i am so excited for this like what a beautiful light at the end of the tunnel um we We've definitely adjusted some of our uh our payment plans for people who you know they they can't make this month's payment because they're now on unemployment um and uh yeah, essentially essentially we're just kind of being transparent with people adjusting payment plans as necessary and the general consensus is that people are just really looking forward to these trips whenever they turn out to be Um, for me it's confronting because you know all the the business refunding like third-party servers like paypal like they only allow you to do uh fee-free refunds up to three months and some of our travelers have been on year-long payment plans, so if if for you know if for any reason we have to cancel a trip, then we're going to have to eat those costs, which is unpleasant <laughs> but totally feasible.
0: Um, you have me thinking about something that's come up with a lot of my clients and some of the people I've been like supporting and doing just like one-off calls with during this time, which is they're like, "How do I plan for a future?" that essentially, obviously the future never exists and we pretend like with some certainty or something. But in a time like right now, a lot of people, their businesses, they can't even plan for when they can reopen their business or milestones or goals because nobody knows how long we're gonna be even locked down for a lot, you know, and that creates a whole new element of uncertainty. Like you might have a whole plan To do these retreats, and you know, I have uh, clients who are are doctors and, and lawyers or whatever, and their businesses are actually shut down. Small business owners too, and they can't create milestones. They can't create goals. I mean, they can, but where they're getting stuck is how do they? And I know how I've been approaching it. Like, hey, we can be fluid. We can create goals. We can create milestones, and we just have to be adjust, and we have to move things. And there's things that maybe you haven't been able to do if you were super busy with those other things that you can do now. How have you been kind of dealing with that personally with your business? Mm -hmm.
1: I feel like that last point that you mentioned is so key. I think there's a reason we support our clients in creating holistic success and in having a diverse area and, you know, spectrum of goals so that when there are breakdowns or when there are circumstances, you know, internally driven or externally found, that we can pivot and we can refocus our efforts in other areas. And um, I think, you know, for me personally, that's what I've been focusing on. Like, where can I control? Where can I make a difference right now? Where can I, um, you know, support my business? Like, for instance, I can't necessarily you know, go to the gym right now. I can't go to my yoga studio. I just started a kundalini teacher training and, you know, the trainings are canceled for the foreseeable next months. But, uh, it's been awesome for my book because my book is all digital. So I can write articles and, you know, reach out to people to talk about the book. Um, so that's, that's kind of cool. I feel like I've been leveraging some of the, Uh, uncertainty and necessity for being indoors to work on other projects where, um, you know, I'm actually benefited from being stuck in my home.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a, I was just sharing on uh, the other, one of the other podcasts that I host, Flip the Lens, we were talking about, you know, one of the people were like, I can't wait to get outside. I can't wait to, you know, and kind of go all the things that they really, and I kind of was like, it's a weird thing to say, but there's some aspects of this that for me have been really nice. Like, nor- I have a very, like a lens that I see the world through is very much like, what should I, should I do, shouldn't do based on what other people's perceptions are. And some people see that kind of, it's like there's a FOMO piece. Mm-hmm. Well, my life feels a lot more actually relaxed because mm-hmm. there's no way I feel like I should go. There's nothing I feel like I should show up for. There's nothing I feel like I'm missing out on. And there's, and I just, I didn't realize that until this morning when I was having that conversation, but I was like, man, there's this level of stress that's been removed that I didn't even realize was so prevalent in my life.
1: Wow.
0: So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I I just want to like, there's these random benefits that are only there if we're willing to look right. Obviously Mm -hmm. I can say like, I miss, there are things I miss and, This, I would not, I'll take my problems back if other people weren't suffering and dying and things like that, but I can't control that, but I can look at my immediate life. I want to, let's, let's transition and talk about your book a little bit, because this is, this is your first book. Um, and I've got to watch the process and you got to watch my process. Totally. What's been the most confronting thing about writing a book?
1: there's been a lot of confronting elements. <laughs> um, I think, you know, there's the, there's the one element of feeling like you're birthing a baby, constantly feeling like you're behind on deadlines, constantly feeling like you have deliverables and milestones that I've been needing to hand in. And I've been behind on all of them. Like that has been, uh, that has like pushed up my performance context so much like this idea that I'm always behind uh wanting things to be perfect and having no idea what that looks like or whether it's even possible or whether even that should be the goal and then there's a whole other element of what stories do I want to tell how how much do I want to reveal how comfortable am I oh sorry Alex
0: um how
1: comfortable
0: you're popular it means outside world still alive
1: (laughs) um how comfortable am i sharing parts of my story and which ones and you know who will be impacted by the parts of my story that i i choose to reveal it's a lot of pressure
0: What's been the best and what's maybe the biggest or best takeaway thing you've learned about yourself through the process?
1: I think one of the biggest takeaways is uh, like how much I genuinely like myself. (laughs) Um, The book is a lot about me. Like I really talk a lot about my journey. And it's pretty drastic how much self-loathing can get in the way of actually um, enjoying yourself for who you are. It's funny. I'm even like speaking in the second tense, right? Like <laughs> enjoying myself for who I am. Cause I don't, I don't think I always liked myself. And so the book has been a really cool um, mirror. And I, I, I've learned to like what I see and that feels really great.
0: When you actually, let me ask this a little different. Do you think people like people should write books? Do you have a feeling on that? Like, is this something people should be doing more of people should be doing less of?
1: <laughs> um, that's such an interesting question. I have no idea. I feel like um if there's a reason why you want to write a book that is compelling enough to go through all the hoops, all the sweat and the tears and the hours, then yeah, you should probably write a book. For me, I wanted to write this book because the more conversations I've had with people over the years, the more basic the conversations became. Like, the more, and by basic, I, like what I really mean is that. I was having the same conversation with everyone. It might sound a little different. The context might be a little different, but it was the same themes. And so I just felt like if I wrote a book and I shared a lot of my own personal journey, that it would be able to really support more people. And I think that that reason was compelling enough for me to stick with it.
0: Yeah. I asked that specifically, Because I think about the world we live in now is a world that gives access to anyone for so many different things. Like, you know, 50 years ago, if you wanted to write a book, you only could really do that if you had like a, a major publisher. If you wanted to make videos, you could only do that if you had like a movie studio. And now we live in a world where anyone, not well, I, I shouldn't say anyone because you have to, have to have some basic needs met to like have a phone or whatnot. But as long as you have a cell phone, mm-hmm. You can make, you could write a book from a cell phone. You could create a podcast. You could make videos. You basically, it, it took down all the gatekeepers. And I do think that at some point, like, I don't think that's a lasting thing. Like, I think gatekeepers are going to come back in some way, shape or form. Um, because I just think there's an ebb and flow to everything in life. And I don't know how it will look and it'll be different and whatnot but I see this as like a really cool time for people. It doesn't mean people should write a book, but it's a really opportune time for people to create and um, leave something behind with their story if they were to choose to, because that opportunity might not exist and we don't know how long it will exist for. Mm -hmm. So um, what are you, you know, your, You're doing a lot, something you've done in this process a lot more than I did is you've been like sharing the process. And I know that when I started putting out like, Hey, these are book covers I'm like thinking about, there was a lot of stress. Or when I started taking excerpts of my book and throwing them on Facebook, there were thoughts about like, man, you know, I have to be with whatever anybody puts out there. It's one thing when the book's out and it's like done and it's out there, but there's all this stuff that could even slow me down. And you've done this hardcore. You're sharing like everything, the whole journey and giving people a, a, a soapbox to stand on and tell you what they think. What's that been like?
1: <laughs> oh man, it's so confronting. <laughs> I, I feel like I have been learning and relearning the lessons from my book over and over again as I've been writing it, which has been really cool because, you know, it's been a reinforcement that I believe in my message but asking for feedback is so confronting. And when you're writing about yourself and people have an opinion about that, like <laughs> it's child, it's challenging not to take it personally. Um, so, you know, one of the, like, one of the ideas in my book that I talk a lot about is our relationship to feedback and what we make it mean. And, how we can look for the gold in feedback, and how we can set ourselves up to receive feedback in an empowering way versus a reflection of our self-worth. And I've constantly been needing to remind myself of that as I share, um, you know, as I share chapters of my book. Um, Even more so, I'd say the hardest piece was when I reached out to my community and asked for people to pre-order the book um, or write early praise for the book, and the and not taking it personally. Who responded and who I never heard from. You know that I think that was the uh, that was the most challenging time for me was asking people to support my journey, which. Uh, is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, getting, (laughs) I'm getting a little uncomfortable just remembering it, (laughs) to be honest. Um, It was a, it was a really uh, useful process for me to, like, realize that I can ask for whatever I want, and I don't have to be attached to hearing yes or no from anyone in particular. Like I can just be a bold stand for, Hey, help me out. Hey, pre-order my book. Hey, write early praise. Oh, you don't want to, Oh, you don't want to respond. Okay. How about you? How about you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think there's a lot of value in being able to overcome that journey. Like for every single one of us.
0: Yeah. You know, <laughs> and I, like as somebody who you reached out to and asked to like write, write something and uh, I, I think like it also takes, and I remember doing this too with mine, like you have to remind people, like you had to remind me, hey, if you want to write something I need, and then that takes another level of like, I remember thinking, man, I asked this person if they would write something, they said they would, and they haven't. Maybe they don't want to, right? You start like making up stuff in, in your head. Maybe they didn't like what they saw. Like, who knows? Absolutely. I, about, I sent copies of books for free to people that wrote something that are in the books. And some of them never said like thank you or anything. And it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter. But what my brain did with it is like maybe they didn't like the book. Maybe they're wishing they didn't make something. Like all these things I make up. And I think, yeah, being with that, like all any uncomfortable situation, right, forces us to be with things and that has us grow Mm -hmm. I heard something before like uh, I heard something yesterday from a poet online and he was like yeah you have to burn before you shine and I don't think that means you have to get like a terrible review written about your book but I think you do have to go through these things that we're talking about if it's a book if it's something else you know if you're an actor I can't imagine being an actor and having like people basically like reject you and slap you around constantly But the only way to become the actor you want to be or become successful is to have like all those burns, like to get burned over and over again until you get where you want to go.
1: Totally. I I hear it as like growing a backbone. Like you really need to be able to grow a backbone and not be stopped by perceived failure, like to be more committed to your goal than that, like. Smaller need to have people like us or to get people's approval, you know, like though that goal is not a big enough goal to have you keep going.
0: yeah, that's so well said. you need to grow a backbone. Let's talk about like the where the book like the personal aspects of like belonging. you know we're living in a space right now that has people isolated more than they've ever been in their whole life. and for I don't know, like 10, 20 years or whatever, the the growing rates of depression, suicide, loneliness have been growing at a ridiculous rate. And now we're in a space where people already felt alone. They already felt not attached. They already had all these issues that are still here. And now we just removed almost every layer of being, of all the ways we've always known to connect and be human, whether it be touch or hanging around each other, or restaurants or bars or comedy clubs or night, like all these things have just been taken away, parks. Will you will you talk a little bit about like your journey with, with belonging and like how you see it now?
1: Yeah. I feel like this time of being at home will shine a flashlight on both your growth and your opportunities for growth. So I've been telling like everyone, since we've been stuck at home, how grateful I am for my relationship, because three years ago, I would not have been able to be stuck in my apartment with my boyfriend nonstop. Like I just would have gone crazy. And it would have been because of my like inability to be myself with him. And that's what belonging has been to me, like really discovering who I am, For me, like discovering what I like, what I enjoy, what I want, what I want to eat, how I enjoy spending my time, what are my boundaries? Like, those are all things that I talk about in the book and have been part of my personal journey. And, you know, I have a, like, I have a lot of compassion for like those of us out there who are still struggling with people pleasing because Man, if you're stuck in an apartment with one person and you experience belonging through being a people pleaser, like you're you're going to go crazy. <laughs> um so I feel like in the book some of the topics that I talk about are how to overcome people pleasing, how to um like how to start identifying what you want and need and beginning to meet those wants and needs for yourself personally, like based on your decisions, on your actions, having them be internally driven rather than, you know, needing to make someone else happy rather than needing to please someone rather than needing to achieve something. Um, And those all used to be ways in which I experienced belonging. Like, you know, when I, did something for someone and that made me feel good about myself when I accomplished something and that made me feel like I belonged when I got another degree, you know, like, gosh, I've like, I've achieved so many things and, um, and they've all made me feel like I belonged in the past and it's all been temporary. It was all just a, a farce, you know, because um, I was totally trying to, prove that sense of belonging externally versus really finding it within me.
0: How, I, I want you to like explain, cause I love the idea of like finding it within you. And I have the exact, for me, it's not a belonging. It's a, um, it's finding like, it's joy, it's finding, um I want to say like my own like my my own personal self-value excuse me my like own self-worth mm-hmm. I went out and like all my achievements and all my successes are all about like oh make me feel like I'm like to give me self-worth and so the conversation I have is like finding that within myself so it, so I can do whatever I want to do but it doesn't matter it doesn't impact what I'm worth that's just extra mm-hmm. how do how are you how do you practice that like how does that show up for you and finding the belonging within you instead of outside of you. Mm -hmm.
1: So a couple of the main components, um, in my journey, the first one has been, uh, self care and principally having a, a, like a luxurious morning routine because, you know, like when you and I started working together, I used to coach clients at seven in the morning and like, some years when I had a big international base, like I was talking to clients in Australia and Bangkok at five and six in the morning. And I like woke up driven by what I wanted to get done and what I wanted to accomplish. And every time I would, you know, get those things done, check those things off the list, I would feel that I would fill that sense of belonging. Like, it would have me feel like, okay, I'm good enough. You know, like, I'm I'm okay, like I belong because I did that, I accomplished that. And when I started putting boundaries in place around my morning routine and how I like really nurture myself and begin to take care of myself and begin to be kind with myself and listen to my body and what my body's trying to tell me, that had me, that was probably the first like breakthrough conversation that had me start to shift that like, go, 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 accomplish, accomplish, accomplish mentality. Um, And then from there, I'd say the next big place where I really started shifting that mindset was in how I spend time with myself because, you know, I grew up in a bed and breakfast. Like I lived in a household where we were always working where we were always on call, where we were always accountable to other people, where we always had to put on a face. So I didn't necessarily have a good um, modeling of, okay, now we're going to relax. Now we're going to be real. Now we're going to shoot the shit. You know, like I didn't necessarily know what that meant. And so that really led me to always be task oriented, like always be doing something. Even if it wasn't work, I would be tidying, I'd be cleaning, I'd be doing dishes, I'd be dusting. And so unlearning that and beginning to learn how to enjoy spending my time with myself and actually uh, like allowing myself to spend quality time with myself where I actually have to be with me, like be with my own thoughts be with my own feelings about myself and the world, be with my own body about how I'm actually feeling in my body. That was such a game changer for me um, in changing that, changing that fundamental tension about where I experience belonging and how I generate that experience for myself. Mm. It was really like the, the inspiration for my book, you know, because the original title of my book was, I just want to date myself, which <laughs> I eventually changed because of all the feedback. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was such a, such a huge breakthrough for me.
0: That's, that's a cool point that you just put in. So I have, cause I, I actually love the, t- I like the, the title of the book. I, w- I wish, what was it? I wish I could date myself.
1: I just can't wait to date. I just want
0: to date myself. Like, I love that. And it's not better. They're just different, right? But I like that title. Like, that title on a shelf speaks more to me as a human. And I think the thing is, no matter what title you pick, there'll always be people, right, that have the op that think something else is different or better. And when you open it up to people, you do get, you know, some people like this, some people like that. And if there is no consensus,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how did you decide, right? I remember, look, when I was doing mine, when I look at my book, Fictional Authenticity, it's the worst title for a book to just be out there because it's a term that I made up. It's not something anyone would search or find by just randomly. But there was a part of me that, like, tr- that knew that like, I wrote the book for me and that I didn't care. And, that, and, and I stuck with the title even though it wasn't necessarily the best marketing title mm-hmm. because it wasn't about that. And so I had to like, you know, like I had to know that, hey, there's consequences of that choice. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So for me, when I started telling people that the title of my book was, oh, I just want to date myself. Like I felt, um, I felt a little embarrassed about it. And mm-hmm. I can remember I, like I was specifically telling my future in-laws, um, the title of the book and I was telling Parth's father and I just like felt embarrassed. And I was like, wow, I, don't, I spent so many hours on this book, like." if I feel embarrassed saying the title, then, you know, then there must be uh, something I'm not intuiting here. And what I realized was that, like, I wanted a book, I wanted the book title to represent how I wanted to feel. And so dating myself was what I did. But like how I wanted to feel was that I wanted to belong. And so that's eventually how I came to the title was like really connecting with the experience that I wanted to feel and, and the fundamental like goal of my journey.
0: Is there anything, I know for me, you know, a lot of your book is like personal and it's your journey. And for me, when I was writing mine, I remember when my mom was reading segments of it before it came out and she was like, you're going to share that or like I don't know if I like that you're sharing that about our family or about us mm-hmm. and we would get into these really cool conversations that like my memory of my life is not the truth and her memory of our life or her life or my life is not the truth right our memories are not accurate it's it's what we're left with and I remember there were moments where it was like, oh, I don't love this or dad might not like this. And I was like, it's just my truth. And I'm i I'm not meaning it to like hurt your feelings or anything. And we have a good relationship. So that all went well. But I remember having to be with that as like part of sharing my life has an impact on the people that are around me. Is that, was there any of that in you writing your book about, you know, you brought up on here that like you live the way you grew up and the impact of that, did that show up at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, Um, there's one, there's one story in the book where I mention um, my my mom and, uh, and one of our guests, and, you know, I don't mention the guest by name, but uh, I like just sent the chapter to my mom and I was like, mom, like, are you okay with me saying this? (laughs) Cause I, um, you know, like, having my mom's approval has been like a life journey. Like I've always wanted mom's approval and having to unlearn that has also been a huge part of my journey. And so, you know, that was, that was like a small example of it, but I think maybe the biggest example of it for me was um, last, last Friday, actually, I shared the introduction for my book with my newsletter um, with my community. And in the introduction I, uh, I like, I removed a line from the introduction. I was like, well, I say that I'm sharing an excerpt. So maybe I don't need to share all of it. (laughs) And so I literally, I literally just removed a line in the middle of a paragraph because I was like, okay, this is a lot. Like this feels really uncomfortable.
0: Is there anything that you, I mean, your book, when does your book come out? April 6th. So sorry, say that again.
1: April 6th.
0: It's pretty cool to release a book in a time where everyone has enough time to read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you doing an audio book?
1: I so I'm starting with the ebook and the paper book. And then eventually, I eventually I do want to do an audio book like I've received feedback in the past that I have a nice voice like that the sound of my voice is very soothing so I feel like it would be a cool um, I, I really want to do an audiobook and see what it's
0: like nice is, uh, yours? is mine yeah so man honestly if I have to like the the audiobook has been like the most difficult part of this whole process so like writing the book took a really long time um Doing an audio book was something that we had no idea. Like we did it ourselves. I wanted to do the voice for it. I mm-hmm. wanted to read it. Um there were just unforeseen like technical challenges that showed up. And it doesn't have like it could look totally different if I did it again. But we've been working on my audiobook since like November. And now that we're not in a studio anymore and we're all quarantined, now now it's just like kind of. We're trying to see what we can do with it. But it took a while to just read it and record it. And then a really long time to just do the edits. And then we had some huge technical issues, which kind of like kicked us back. And there were periods where I was just like, I can't do that. I'm like, was so aggravated and frustrated. I would stop. And then you have to listen to it all over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, you know, honestly, that it, it has been the most challenging and frustrating part oh, wow. is, is the audiobook um, because a lot of it also feels like I can't control it. You know, I can rewrite a paragraph. I can like all that, all the book stuff. I have a lot more control over Mm -hmm. audio book because I'm not the technical person. I'm not the editing person. I don't have the, you know, is there's a lot less I can like do. I do. It it forces me to work with other people in a way that I just can't do all the things. And some Mm -hmm. of the things are out of my hands. Um, but yeah, there is an audio book. I keep having to push back when it's going to be out, but it will be out eventually.
1: Okay. Um, so. You're really selling me on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can, I'm not, like, like I'm I'm being honest here. Like, it's been the most frustrating, but I can say, um, I could give you tons of tips outside of this on, like, how you could have it go differently just based on what I'd learned the first time. But I think we both could say that about writing a book, too, you know, sure. writing a book. The the book I'm writing now, my second book, I'm writing it so much faster than I wrote the first book because I actually understand how to create systems and structures to write instead of just, like, it dragging along because I kept getting in my own way for so long.
1: Yeah.
0: So. Totally. Is you know, is there anything that you feel like you want to like leave people with from this episode or anything that you're just like, Hey, I want to talk about that. I haven't gotten to talk about yet. Like if I just give you an open space to soapbox, um, is there anything you want that space for right now? Um,
1: I feel like I'm so not a soapbox speaker, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I think that, um, I think if there's one thing that I really wish everyone knew in the world, it's just how much more similar than we are different. I think fundamentally that's why I wrote my book because I was starting to see and understand that fundamentally how similar we are as a humanity. And, you know, in reality, we all think we're unique. We all think our struggle is different. We all think we're the only one who feels this or who experiences that And I think that when we can start to have um, compassion for our challenges and acknowledge that we're more alike than we are different, it creates such a beautiful clearing and space for self-acceptance and ultimate change. And I think the more we resist what is holding us back, the longer it takes to embrace it and change it. And so when we can start to see ourselves in others and see ourselves reflected in those we surround ourselves with, realize how we're more similar than we are different, like that creates the space for acceptance. And in my journey, like self-acceptance has been the launching pad for growth. Like it's been the launching pad for belonging. It's been the launching pad for learning how to love myself, learning how to enjoy spending time with myself, learning how to like put down the constant need for more degrees and more credentials and more things to add to the resume. <laughs>
0: mm. Well, thanks for, you know, like, thanks for soapboxing, <laughs> even though it's not your favorite <laughs> thing, but sharing, um, just taking a moment to share the thing that you wanted to share. Uh, thanks for asking me if you could be on here, you know, like actually like coming to me. It's something that I, it's funny, I'm out in the world and I tell people all the time I have a podcast and some people are like, I want to be on your podcast. And I'm like, what do you want to talk about? They're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, go figure that out. And then come talk to me. Um, and then there's other people that like have something they really want to talk about and they don't ask. So I just love when people do ask me because I do really believe that everyone has something to share, everyone has something of value, but you do have to know what you wanna share and you do have to know how to tell your story. So I really appreciate the vulnerability and you kind of like stepping up in your life and owning your voice and being a leader and not only putting it in a book, but sharing it here and letting me ask whatever I wanted. People don't, you know, I think maybe some people that listen always recognize that like, I don't have a script, I don't have things I talk about, I go with my own curiosity and so it leaves any guest open to like whatever I want to bring. So mm-hmm. thanks for, um, being open to that and just, you know, stepping into the vulnerable place that I put you in.
1: Totally. Thank you. I thought it was really sweet when I like <laughs> shared with you how nervous I was to ask to be on your podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very, uh, <laughs> it was, it was really real though. Like, I think we all do that. Like it might not be in this, right? Like there's the people who ask me without any context and no relationship with me. Um, but there's something else that they feel that way too about. So Mm -hmm. thanks for doing it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for writing a book. Um, I appreciate you. You too. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a Dream Mason because your dreams don't build themselves.